Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 105 of Storyteller Conclave, a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game you can, whether you're a new story or a dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Rob, and Sarah's not here, unfortunately. But I have a co-host that we were able to squeeze in, a good friend of mine, Catherine Moore. Say hello, Catherine. Well, hello, everyone. Sarah will be back next week. She is uh, chugging down potions, asking for divine intervention, and doing all the things necessary to stay healthy. Uh, and as a side note, it's not COVID. So, uh, but we are going to send prayers and rituals and help her as we can. Now, Catherine stepped up and co-hosted. She's, this is not an interview by any means, um, but is kind of apropos because I was trying to find somebody out of our connection of friends uh, who had experience doing improv and theater uh, and a history with that. And Catherine came to mind as one of the very first people I could think of because I I have a history with seeing you do crazy improv. (laughs) Um, So it's called daily life. Yeah. um, But you've got about 25 years of this behind you. Yes. Over 25 years. Where did you start with this? We'll get a little bit about you before we get into this. Absolutely. Um, Well, I started, like we were talking about earlier, actually, I started role playing at a very young age. I was not even a teenager um, when the whole... D&D thing first really got rolling. So that was the start of it. And then in high school, it was a case of how can I be anybody else other than who I am? Aha. So so that was role playing there and then into theater and then into studies in theater and then So into you improv. went role playing before theater versus yeah. theater then role playing. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. All Which right. I'm not right, sure right. we established the other night with Sarah. And oh. you've done both some structured and unstructured Absolutely. theater work as yes. well. So cuz yes. I I and I'm going to say it in as we're going through stuff as we were kind of talking about things, but I really don't see it so much as acting as improv. And and really that's all role playing is. Yes. So yes. Um, and role playing, role playing is the ultimate freedom. It is, it is absolutely. It should be fun. It yes. Should, it should be amazing. Whereas acting can be fun, but acting can also be terrifying. And acting can feel, actually, acting can feel further from yourself. You know, I've got to play this character, and this character has this motivation, and maybe that's too far from who you are. And it, that can be, that can make you struggle. A exactly. Exactly. Now, can you remember a role? that you played uh, either acting or improv that was like one of your most creative moments? Uh, One of my most creative moments was having on stage, we had somebody get sick just before we went on. So I played a double role. Oh, Lord. On stage. (laughs) And I would run from one end of the stage to the other, changing my voice and uh, and doing the lines for the other person. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. And kind of rolling right into this, um, were you nervous ever? Like, what was there? A, was it early on? Did you get more comfortable with it? Or are you always nervous when you're doing I things think, like that? I think you're always a little bit nervous, but the nervous is different. There's the nervous, what if I screw up? Mm-hmm. And there's the nervous of, I'm just really excited about this, which okay. can come out as nerves. Oh, 100%. So the reason why I kind of asked Catherine, because you obviously have some experience in this, and funny enough, we've only LARPed together. We've yes. actually never tabletop together. No, we haven't, have that, we? That is funny. We've talked about all the games that we like together, but we've never we've tabletop. Never, yeah. We're going to get that changed. Because um, <laughs> it's funny. I was going back through all my notes, and I realized that I actually had full write-ups ready to go for a 7C game with you and Mark and a yeah. few other people. and thing life and yeah. things came in between and i'm like oh man I loves me that. some seven c so yeah we'll get back to that yeah we both have a love for it ha ha, ha. <laughs> so um and thank you everyone in uh, in live chat for uh for supporting us and and i see uh sarah's out there thank you sarah for for <laughs> for bringing your voice into the conversation although hoarse in the normal way you are glorious in the uh, live chat. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, we love you. Yes. So please, please get lots of fluids and feel better. I will see you soon. Um, but this week we are talking about role playing one away, not storytelling one away, but role playing, which has a major aspect of that and getting into character. And there were a lot of really good discussions that happened on the Discord about this. There were um, people talking about aspects of getting into character. Whether or not you're playing yourself, whether or not you're playing someone else completely different. And, and how to get into that. 
And one of the things that I really want to kind of start with here that came into discussions um, that we were having last night, even as we were preparing for the show sheet and making sure we had everything together, um, was that role playing is different than tabletop gaming. I mean, when D&D first started, it was very technical. It, it, it was it was a Monopoly game. Yeah. Like I we mean, were talking you about. Were, you yeah. were playing to win. The DM yes. was throwing things at you. He was trying to kill you. And yes. you, you were trying to win. And we've evolved from that. Role playing is a step away from that. You are no longer winning. Failure makes things interesting. You know, people talk about, you know, total party wipes and the game continues. Yes. Or, or players wiping and just grabbing a new character sheet and rolling on. And... That is the difference. Like in Monopoly, when you're out of money, you're you're bankrupt and gone, right? It's over. Game's over, right? Depending on what rule sets and things you're doing with it. But, I mean, that's the whole thing is that your fun is done. You're now watching. Whereas with tabletop role-playing, that's not the case at all. Absolutely. You can, you can like you said, you can roll up a new character. You can roll up something very similar to what you had if it fits the party. Or you can take what you learned from the party that that ended you and mm-hmm. say, oh, okay, what this adventure needs or what this party needs is, well, we don't need three rogues. We need two rogues and a paladin. Yeah, you know? I mean, fitting, so. fitting the role that you could be into. Um, and so in that sense, it's it's we're, you're never moving toward a win. You're working at a collaborative story. And part of that is the yes and architecture of things. It's more than just you having fun at the table, it's a group of people having fun at the table. So when we're talking about role-playing, we're stepping away from that. If you're finding yourself stepping back to, I want to win, I'm rule-stacking my character to win, you know, I don't care so much about, you know, playing a role, I just want to win this game, maybe you're not looking at role-playing the same way. And and we may not be speaking to you in that way. Uh, but we'd like to encourage you. And so... Uh, we're talking about defining characters. We're talking about moving beyond their stats. Yes. Uh, beyond, you know, that one, you know, because I, I remember back in early D&D doing the, here's your four six-sided dice, <laughs> roll them for your stats, and you could have terrible stats. You could. You absolutely. And 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 at that point, you'd spent two hours rolling, so you just re-rolled a new character because you learned yes, that a yes. certain stat, you were just not going to survive it. But again, that's that's the winning. That's the competitive aspect of it. Whereas now, oh, you've got a one in charisma. Okay, that's just going to be fun to play. Yeah. And, and you, you figure out that little bit and what changes about your character. And I've seen people go both directions where they'll build a whole background and a whole design for character and then create the actual numbers on a page. I've had people who will, if they're doing D&D, roll their stats and then go, hmm, what does this <laughs> look like to me? You know, and then just step off from that and move in a direction. Well, as we mentioned last night, too, or, or a couple times along the way, we've seen people come to a table with a 30-page, single, single-spaced, typed background for a character. And that's great if that's what you want to do. But I've also seen it, like we said, you know, you get a get a um, the equivalent of a three by five card with you are this character, mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. it's got three words to describe them, and you run from there. So it's, you know, there is a huge range of of starting points. Well, yeah, and not only that, with different systems, you run a lot of different things. I know with. Um... If I'm not mistaken, you've done Vampire LARP before, oh, yeah. <laughs> and some of the pre-generated LARPs at some of the conventions where they hand you a sheet. Yes. Like, you're given, effectively, a character sheet with a few motivations, but it has no movements behind the character other than they're looking to do this one thing. They don't tell you how. They don't necessarily give you if they're doing it angrily or if they're doing it with love or passion, because you don't necessarily know what's on the receiving end of that on the other side. So... You always want to be able to be prepared to do that. So it's not always just about the numbers that are handed to you. Um, It's expressing your character through your personal words and actions. Um, And that's the kind of thing that you want to do when you step away from yourself. And you're... You're going to always carry something with you. I think, I mean, actors do it all the time. Oh, absolutely. There are some actors who uh, literally... You look at them, you know the roles they're in, and they're like, that's that actor. That's yes. that style you expect to see. Yes. Um, you know, one of the ones that comes to my mind is Sean Connery. Sean Connery is always Sean Connery. <laughs> 
I don't I don't care if he's you know yeah. James Bond an or an ancient Spaniard exactly or an ancient Spaniard you know <laughs> but he's always going to be Sean Connery you know what to expect I think for a long period of time um there were a lot of casting directors who would grab Jim Carrey and put him in a specific role in a specific way I am very happy that he's glad gotten to do other roles yes um and I think that's also surprising to people at tables when the same thing happens. You know, someone always plays the strong, dumb fighter, you know, who's just out there to beat something down. And then, you know, one day you guys shift systems and suddenly he's this very eloquent uh, Machiavellian a, a, aristocrat out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's a beauty. That's a thing to being able to step. But it is not you. It, sure. is, a, it is an idealized version of you, maybe. Um, in improv you're often given a motivation or a direction yes but other than that it's just a step it's an idealized or a step away from yourself and the improv improv and role-playing go in with each other because um you're never i'm sure you can improv against the mirror but you're not going to have a whole lot of fun with it there's there's something in improv called yes and 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 it's sounds very technical but all it is is Yes, and how do I introduce this character into the situation? Mm-hmm. Yes, and where do we go from here? And there's a lot of give and take. And that's that's one of the great things about role playing is is you can you can go with that. You can sort of figure it out and and let let the other characters in the group or your, even your friends, you know, help you along the way. If you're if you're super confident, great, but if you're stumbling a little, this is the perfect, perfect place to, to sort of dip your toes in. Exactly. I mean, and it it's not without its, you know, issues. It's not without its concerns and feelings like that. I mean, the whole idea of not even knowing where to start. I mean, I've I've watched people literally come to games, you know, for their, uh, you know, sub-zero session before, like, even any gameplay starts where we're making characters sitting around and everybody's working on their things and they've got ideas <laughs> and they're, you know, maybe I'll make a mage or a ranger. I don't know. What are you doing? And yeah. then there's that one or two people who are sitting in the room going, I don't have a clue. Yeah. I, I don't I don't, I don't know anything. Yeah. And you, you feel for them a little bit, and you're, you throw some ideas, but nothing's sticking, you know? And it's that whole creative process sometimes just gets instantly blocked. Oh, yeah. Well, it's overwhelming. I mean, think about it. Just the, the D&D system alone. How many books? How many books, if you were to make a library of what's available for a D&D character, a physical library, mm-hmm. you'd have hundreds of books. Where do you even start with that? Yeah. That's, that's massively overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So, so start small. Yeah. Start start very small. Um, you know, we talked the other day about, oh, I have a favorite character from a book I read when I was 10. Great. Go yeah. with it. Or you see a piece of art. You know, I know a lot of people that see artwork, whether it's on Deviant or, you know, mm-hmm. they go, or Insta. They just see an image and they say, I like that. I want to yeah. know more about that character. I will become that character to find out their story. I think it's a great place to start because I love uh, as much as when I was younger and you'd come to a table maybe after a new book came out or after a movie came out and someone would yes. be like, yeah, I'm thinking about playing a uh, dark elf ranger <laughs> and uh, he wields dual scimitars <laughs> and uh, yeah, but he's a he's a good guy. He's, a, yeah. he's just yeah. he's just a little different and his name is Fizzit. <laughs> murdering that's it that's it you know and you're like yeah we know exactly who yeah. you are but th- at the same time you know what to expect they know how yes. to be that character because they're mimicking the book yes I- i'm Celrond, and this is my companion sunshine <laughs> <laughs> exactly i mean i remember doing that oh, i remember absolutely. grabbing characters i mean I- one of my first things that i played was robotech yeah, it okay. was directly out of an anime you yeah. had anime characters right there it's it was not hard to see who these people were and how to mimic them. And it gave you a basis. And I think that was great for other stories. I think, and I have to bring around one of the things in our, our podcast, unfortunately the term turtles comes around a lot because there's a love for turtles. Okay. Um, and I think Gee, Sarah and turtles. Uh, yeah. To go figure. Uh, but uh, TMNT, uh, and, um, the whole uh, role playing of that system on that piggyback not only the comics but also a TV series. Yes, uh, very visual, very easy to pick up on. Uh, who you could be, and you could just mimic. Yes, one hundred percent. And as um, a starting point, you know, if you if you take a sort of a stock character or a known character, yeah. sometimes that's easy because it allows you to know exactly what it is, and you can move the story along. 
And yeah. then, and then, and then suddenly you'll realize, you know, with a great game, six sessions in, you're moving away from, from where the character started. And that's a good thing. You know, you're, you're truly, you're sort of inhabiting it or, or on the other, on the flip side of that, sometimes it's a good guidance. Oh my gosh. You know, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would never, ever eat ice cream before pizza. I'm not eating dessert first. Exactly. You know? I mean, it's a simple thing, but <laughs> it's, it's a very it, simple, but it's, it's a, it's a great way to become that character, to be able to pull them out. I mean, if you're literally love you know, Frodo Baggins yeah. and you, you can attach to him, you know what his steps are going to be and you literally pick him up and you drop him in shadow run. Oh, absolutely. Right. Oh, so yeah. now he's literally Frodo Baggins is sitting in front of a Johnson having to get money because he's <laughs> in a different world. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Yeah. You will eventually no longer be Frodo Baggins. It takes like 10 to, you know, 10 sessions at max, probably three, because you will have done terrible things between <laughs> session zero and session three. And now you're a different person, but you still know all those motivations. Yes. You're still working with those pieces. Um, and I, I don't think you're moving too far away from yourself and you don't have to necessarily come no. up with a backstory then. Yeah, no, um, it's it's absolutely, you know, it's a comfort level. But as we said, you know, it, it can be scary. It can be intimidating to just to, to jump in. And sometimes it doesn't work. And so you reroll a character, you yeah, know? I exactly. Mean, that's, that's the beauty of being yeah. able to just grab another sheet yeah. of paper and write something new. Um, one of the things that I, I, I read and I loved when I put it in because I started writing about it and I didn't have a good way to describe it um, was that if you've got a character, even if you're working on just a background and you're not too sure where to start from with that background, don't necessarily start with history. Don't necessarily start with, you know, trying to write an epic novel. There's no reason why your character needs to have an adventure before their adventure. Oh, exactly. You know, they could have been a farmer who just had one thing happen to them or one thing that they love. And then that's the one thing. The, the one, city slicker is one thing. One what thing, is your absolutely. one thing? What is your yeah. drive? What is yeah. the what gets you up in the morning? Yeah. What, you know, when it's raining outside, what gets you on your horse yes. and puts you riding away? You know, what is that one thing? The, the evolution for, for kindness to all mankind. Well, that's huge, but that's the one thing. Yeah. You like turtles. You want to get up every day because you want to make sure the water in the pond stays clean for the turtles. There you Simple go. Simple thing. And what's great about a one thing is it's something your storyteller can work from. Yes. It's something that everyone at the table can come back to. And there's a yes and, yeah, that, you exactly. know, for, for that example. Exactly. And it's very easy for any of the other players to pick up and play with your one yes. thing as well. Now, I'm going to flat out say later on, don't shit on somebody's <laughs> one thing. Um, but that's effectively what it comes down to is, is that you're really taking the time to wrap around that one thing. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. And I, I, I do think other players who may have... Uh, developed their characters or have moved into a situation where they see somebody who's only doing a one thing, help them. Sure. L work with the one thing. Change. Yeah. Your one thing can absolutely change. 100%. I, I never think that somebody should have their one thing be a uh, a person or or a single like object or something because they can always get stolen. But yeah. there's nothing wrong with Pee Wee Herman's bike. <laughs> That, there was a whole movie. There was like, an entire movie. movie exactly. that was about him trying to find his bike. There was an entire shop on Mackinac Island devoted to Kiwi's bike. <laughs> the, so, there you, you know, go. There you go. So so it can be one thing. Um, another thing about beyond your background and beyond necessarily your motivation is that aspect, that simplistic aspect of self. And some people think it's a voice. Something. Some people think it's um, a movement, uh, maybe a dress. All of that is part of it. Oh, yeah. Um. But when you think of something iconic, sometimes it's it is the feel of the character, and you could still be yourself. You don't necessarily have to be a caricature, but you can be an aspect of yourself one step away. Sure, you know, absolutely. Maybe you don't see yourself as you see yourself as shy. Fine, change up and be ego driven. Sure, you know, be be that person who is out there and brave and can do whatever. That is a, that you are now playing a character. You've exactly. stepped outside of yourself. Um, or if that if that feels big, you know, the, even even little things, um, you know, you and Sarah and I were were laughing. But but a lot of things, you know, drop your voice a little, raise your voice a little, even just little, little things. OK, this is this is not how I normally speak or wear a different pair of shoes. I love that with Sarah. Um, you know, she and she and I, you and I were laughing about that. But mm -hmm. but. You know, you don't you don't necessarily wear a costume to to role play, but sometimes you might wear like we were talking, if you're playing a very formal character, mm -hmm. go throw on a necktie. 
Yeah. Watch how everything changes almost I, instantly. Yeah, I, I actually knew somebody who would always wear a pair of shades okay. coming to a game session. And they didn't wear glasses, sunglasses any other time, but they would always wear a pair of shades to sun, to, to their sessions because it got them into the cool of their and it, character. And it shifts and it's it's that it's nice because that's your that's also your one thing. Mm-hmm. But you've got one thing and one thing and the next thing you know. Yeah. You've I mean got... I'll, I'll ask this question. What's Brad Pitt's one thing in every one of his movies? Eating. He always He's is always eating. eating. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, it's something he brings into every movie that you can look for and everyone looks for it val kilmer and prestidigitation all the time all the time oh so wonderful such a a wonderful (laughs) thing i keep seeing it coming up more and more in movies and i love it i love that more actors are are doing fun things Uh, the whole marvel thing they did between ant-man and wandavision with the one agent oh and see i haven't haven't seen this oh (laughs) it's it's the first episode so it doesn't really major episode but uh and i even know all the spoilers but i haven't sat down and watched yet yeah and i i followed this i thought it was good um I don't remember the agent's name. Agent Wu. Agent Wu. Yes. Uh, learns the card trick. Oh, the close-up he... magic. Yes. And the fact that he they actually learned that for the movie. They mm-hmm. didn't have stand-ins. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Bo- both of them knew how to do it. And it was just funny. He was just like, teach me how to do that. And, <laughs> and he learned. And you watched the evolution of yeah. it through the series, well, which is and great. Well, and there's, there's another thing. You know, you can, you can learn something outside of your role-playing and mm-hmm. bring it into your role-playing. Oh, my character is, is really, really good at tying sailor's knots. So so sit down when you're when you're watching something. Try yeah. a sailor's knot or two. Yeah. You know, I mean it's 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 a one thing, it's a skill, but it's it gives you it gives you that sense of persona. Yeah, it's funny that Overwatch uh, was bringing up the singular point of emotional focus for a character. I, I love that. It's it's a great way to drive. You know, um, you, you look at someone uh, from stories like uh, you know Paul Muadib. Oh, you know, sure. and what was his major drive? And you could pick any number of things. Yes, but that's the point: is you could pick one and drive with that. Uh, one of the things that he used to do, um, I, I believe, still does in his Shadowrun games, is he loves to tell characters to grab a skill that is not game centric. Okay. You know, that sure. is a, it's yeah. a knowledge based skill, and you are great at whatever that thing is. Yes. And so, uh, and that helps define your character. And I remember people were like, um comic you know comics i i know specifically all of the original superman uh, artists and i have uh you know digital recreations of all of the first 13 issues of superman and can tell you every scene and every, and every, every panel, anything about every it page. fantastic that's yeah, great that makes you that great. aficionado you know uh my one of my character was a techno dj oh like he just he could turntable like nobody's business like that was just something he he did on the that's side it, yeah and he knew that whole field but it helped us round out our characters and give us conversation points as well and it gives the storyteller great jumping off points Mm -hmm. you know and and little uh, you know almost in-game easter eggs you know you walk into a club and the the one character knows exactly which remix is playing exactly because of a skill set you know and and it's things it's little things like that that allow the world to feel living and you add a part of living. Now, you move into games that are um, like City of Mist or Urban Shadows, which we've talked about on the show before. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. I was looking up Urban Shadows. That's funny. Just today. Um, it's, serendipity. But yeah, I it's mean, it's a great it's... game. But uh, the opening of that, you build the city as a group. So there's a lot more collaborative stuff that goes into that. But it's very much the same where not only are you building a character with the entire table, you're building the world around them yes. and the environment and the history all together. And that... In those situations, it's very yes and. Sure. Um, but it can be, you know, a little daunting. But again, it, there's no reason why you can't do the same thing in those kind of situations and grab from books, grab from movies, and and add them into your piece. And with your one good thing, mm-hmm. then you've got the one flaw, you know. And the flaw the is flaw. important. So one of the things that uh, Sarah made sure that we put on the sheet, and I totally agree with it's it's Sarah's method of character, is that the character is an expert at one thing, but they have a fatal flaw. Yes. And that fatal flaw makes for interest you know whether they're a gladiator you know unmatched in combat but they have a crippling addition to magic potions like they'll just pop them off whenever they can you know or they're an ice witch from the northern mountains who you know is a master of arc you know arctic winds but for some reason just can't grasp the nuance of morality (laughs) (laughs) you know there's just everything's kind of gray to them you know you know or they're a master thief and a rogue but they can't shut up about doing it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, they just, they have to tell somebody, you know, and it's that 
failure that you're building into the character that makes them interesting, that makes the stories happen. You know, yes. no, no one character is an island of perfection. That's what a Mary Sue is. Yes. They're, they're just and they're never, boring. Yeah, and completely and just utterly dull. boring. But the moment that your character has some flaw, some reason that they can't do something, and it cripples them in some way, now they're interesting. Now there's some struggle for them to deal with. Yes. That they can't quite get around. And you again, know. it can be huge or it can be little. That's that's totally within your comfort zone. Um, and it's and choose your own flaw. Or or the other thing, it's um, it's collaborative. Mm-hmm. Ask people. Oh yeah. gosh, I've got this great idea for a character. I think, but but I want something to go wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Well, what what's it going to be? Well, you know, they're they're left-handed and it's a world that doesn't understand making left-handed scissors. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's actually that's hilarious. That's off the top of your head, but and you can say, "Great, that's a great idea," or "That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I'm going to keep looking." Right. And and sometimes the dumb things are the funniest parts. I mean, one of the things that just came to my mind is about the whole failure thing in in a simplistic term if you can't wrap your head around it. When when have you ever opened a jar and it opened fine and there was nothing there was something funny about that? Yeah, exactly. No, it's it's when you can't get the lid open and you're fighting at it for like two and a half hours and then someone just walks up, grabs the jar off the counter because your hand's hurt and you're shaking your wrist out and they just – and they hand it back to you and you're like, yeah. son of a bitch. And <laughs> it's now a story. It's just changed. you know. And that's the thing is that that bit of personal conflict makes the difference. Well, and that's the other thing to remember is that, that there's the trope that um, best stories don't happen during the story best stories are happening when you talk about them afterwards. So you can't really force those moments like the jar. Like, um, I can't come up with a good example, but I love, the, I love the jar analogy. You know, if you were to set out the jar for somebody to try and open, not so much fun. But, right. but if you come to it organically... Exactly. And Overwatch, I'm going to have to make a, um, a samurai armor apron now for cake decorating. Ooh, I like this. I like this. Um... So now we're, let's step out of backgrounds a little bit because I think we're starting to step in the next major bump, which is the the aspect of the social part of it, the communicating with other people, looking silly, doing yes. it. Now, I think I, I'm happy to say that most of the D&D stigma that we had in the 70s and 80s is gone. I wouldn't say it's completely, but most of it is. Most of it, yes. Because, um, I mean, when you talk about somebody going to play D&D, that, you know, back basically when we were kids, it was you were a nerd, you oh, played yeah. in a closet. You didn't, you didn't admit ta- it to anybody. No. You hid your books, you know, yeah. you, you, in hush circles, you'd talk with people like, hey, you, you want to you wanna play D&D? <laughs> yeah. You know, kind of, it but, was like, it was but, a drug. You never, you, know? you never asked that openly. No, no, that was never. Someone would come to you, yeah. you know, yeah. it'd be like, I heard you guys are running a game. Yeah, you want in? Okay. <laughs> I I heard there might be this author named something like Tolkien. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Or someone would hand you a book. You'd be like, "Yeah, I've already read that." Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite character? You know. Yeah. <laughs> and now you start into that, but now we have celebrities who play all the time. Oh yeah. We have uh, um, we have uh, celebrity games produced. We have tons more people hawking it. It's like it's in shows as major themes. Sure. I mean. I, I'm happy to see that. Oh, At the same yes. time, now that we have all these people playing, I think we've hit the other end of that curve is, is that where do what group do you fit into? How do you now step into it? Do you am I not good enough to play? Sure. And I think that is a serious risk that comes up. Um but I I like the concept of and it's something I've always pushed and I know it's true, the concept of the first follower. Is yes. that if you step in, someone else will join you. Yes. I think that's a major thing that, that anything happens. If you see someone role-playing, join them. Sure. Lean into it. Yep. Be ridiculous. Um, and ridiculous doesn't always mean, you know, jumping around like Daffy Duck going woo-hoo, woo-hoo. It can be something that you just, okay, I'm 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 a slender, you know, I'm a 5'9", 120-pound person. I'm going to play the samurai, the, the sumo barbarian. Right, you right. You know, that... that that in its way is a little bit ridiculous. Exactly. So. I, I love watching uh, people come up with characters that are uh, that are clearly not themselves. Yes. That are something different so that they can 
get out of their lives. And I, I think right now of all times, we need to step away. <laughs> yes. I mean, the last thing I really want to play is a, po- a post-apocalyptic past, you know, just slightly after <laughs> contagion affects a major politically charged environment. You know, this, this is not in my a, list. A middle-aged wage slave is yeah. not in my character sheet yeah, at the moment. So, uh, so I'm going to say paranoia is out right oh, now. Wow. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if you can get through character creation, but that's, that's a whole other <laughs> thing. Yeah, that's that, that's a podcast on its own. It is, it is. We're eventually going to get to paranoia, but I don't know if we can complete a podcast with paranoia without losing the game. So, <laughs> um, but it is that step outside of yourself, and I think, um, I think you do yourself a service by doing that because it gives you room to express. With a group that you can be comfortable with. And I'm not saying that you have to start your role playing off in a ridiculous way or find a group and then immediately ham yourself up to see if they're accepting of that. Yeah. But I do think that stepping in and into a group that especially like a a, a, like improv group because everybody is expecting something. It's it's not like they're all sitting down, you know, you're all sitting down playing a game of, you know, uh monopoly and suddenly you have a texan voice <laughs> and want certain things and they're like why, why are why are you yeah. doing that and Knox, that's that's a brilliant point that absolutely um most groups will absolutely say yeah come on in sit sit down for a while watch watch how it goes and if you want to jump in let us know yeah i mean in it's it, it it's the girlfriend complex i guess <laughs> or, or situation where it was always the like the dude is playing the game but his girlfriend's sitting off the side and she's just like you know, hey, do you want to play? And like, I, I think I could play an elf, or yeah. I could play that. And, and that saying, now I, I'm sad to say that I'm glad. I should say I'm glad to say that's not the trope anymore. I hear more about like there's a bunch of girls playing D and D, and the guys like, dude, I want to play. Yeah, you know, and I think that's great. But I do think that finding your level of um, commitment and expression within a group is important, and it will grow with trust. Sure. And and the other thing, um, you know, we'd, we'd kind of talked about the fact that you may have the best friends on the planet and you all get together and sit down to a D&D session and you're at each other's throats within a half hour because you've got different goals and you're just, you don't mesh as a role playing group and that's okay. You know, there, there are, there are people in my life I do not go play competitive sports with because I know somebody's going to end up injured by the end of it. 100% agree with you. I mean, I've definitely sat down to tables and I brought it up last night where I've played with somebody and I'm like, I, I can't yeah. continue this. Yeah. Like, this, this is not going to be healthy. This is going to be toxic yes. for our, even our acquaintanceship at this point. And I think you do learn a lot about people through role playing and what they're willing to accept and how they react to things. Lack of consequences. Exactly. That's that is a huge part of it is that because you are once you get to the comfortable point where you are able to express those aspects of yourself, it is the lack of consequences. It is the childhood lack. You go back to the simple moments in childhood when you're playing with Legos and fully imagining and someone looks at you and says, no, you can't do that. That's not what it works like in this world. And you're like, how are you telling me how to make believe? (laughs) You know, and that's that's the simple fact of it is is that that grows with role playing as a whole. Sure, is that you're gonna run into those kind of blockades, and sometimes they're acceptable because maybe that person just either has a certain framework that they're working within, or it's somebody you don't want to play with because they're framing things in a way you don't feel comfortable with. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're not up for murder hoboing, <laughs> you know, your way through a dungeon or a town. And the whole group is already doing that. And you're like, eh, yeah, this isn't my click, guys. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's okay. There are other groups. There are literally services that will find you groups to yes. play with. Yes. Online and hopefully very soon back in person. <laughs> um, but it, And it goes back to your point of, you know, don't piss in their Cheerios. You know, maybe somebody's yes. got, got something a little bit strange. But if they're enjoying it, don't don't ruin it for them. No. I mean, if it's if it's something if it's something that seems ridiculous to you, or if it's a minor thing, let the minor things go. Yeah. Um, you know, if they're if they're introducing um, a spaceship in the middle of a fantasy world, okay, that's that's probably a, a moment of hey, can we have a sidebar with the DM? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a little out there, but you know, my character my character loves juggling on horseback. Okay, that's weird, but. That's it's not going to break anything. I don't think. Exactly. Exactly. It's 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 the understanding the simple limits of of trying not to break 
from the Mind's Eye Theater. You know, don't immediately just start throwing in, you know, a whole bunch of, uh, you know, cu- current nomenclature and memes. Oh, you sure. You know, try, try and fit it in a little bit so that, you know, you're you're actually being someone in the story. Now, I, I take that back. If you're if you're playing a cyberpunk game, your character is a, you know, special, you know, knowledge base is, you know, 2000 memes <laughs> and cat, you know, and cat gifts, you know, and that's <laughs> that's what they're great at. You know what? Lean into that then. Totally different story please ignore me but you know if you're in a fantasy area i think that could could be a little different um but i think this really lands into like the things you can do and i think um one of the things you had brought up earlier is that even if you're not comfortable with necessarily stepping away from yourself um into a new character and you're not confident about how to be confident maybe you are a shy person maybe you're not certain that you could do into that you know move into that Try something simple like just changing your posture. Yes. Physically move your body so that your chest is out and your shoulders are back and you're sitting upright. You will have a different voice. Yes. You will have a different stance. You know, um, those simple things or, you know, conversely, if you tend to always be someone who is stepping forward and being a leader, you know, uh, you know, maybe you tend to drive things because you just want things to get done and get over with. And you're, you, you don't want, it's exhausting for you. And you don't want to do that in, in your stories as a character. Maybe play someone who's meek and concerned. Hunch over a little bit. Whisper your stuff a little bit more. You know, um, stutter when you're trying sure. to get an idea across so that, you know, it, it becomes a challenge. Um, these are simple little things you can do just to alter yourself from what you're comfortable with to becoming something. Um, and if you, like you were saying, if you want to wear a tie, yeah. put on some glasses, grab a, you know, cut a straw down. So you have like a fake cigarette in your hand, <laughs> you know, and that while you're sitting at the table and, and you gesture with the, it. The animated scene in Mulan where she's practicing being a guy. Hi. I am very manly. I have a sword. I see you have a sword too. You know, and, <laughs> you know, and and those simple things, uh, d- changing your um your diction, changing your pacing on the way you say things. Either speed um, it up really really quickly if you tend to be a slow talker, or slow it way down. Yeah. Think about each word as it comes out. You know, consider your next phrase. Sometimes, <laughs> like like. Skyrim and ESO love to do, you know, someone asks you a question, just give a menacing look of silence (laughs) back at them for a second. And when the GM's just like, are you not answering? I'm giving them a menacing look like this. (laughs) Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That is, that is menacing. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. That's your answer. Um, But try to find yourself something one step. A simple thing, and and um, since we're since we're talking mainly uh, tabletop, and I mean there are a lot of lot of different lot of so many platforms these days. Oh but, God, yes. but but if we're starting back with a basic, I've got my character sheet, I've got my dice. You can also let the dice help you inform that. Mm-hmm. You know, do a roll, roll, roll for. I, I'm I'm a very meek person in life. Roll for an niche. You hit that twenty. Go running through those gates. Yeah. You know, there's your character and that's, and that's an easy way again to get it, to have it informed is, mm-hmm. is let the rules of the game help you with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if you have a great moment, lean into the great moment. If, if you three games in start to, you know, find a passion within the game itself, maybe there's a, 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 a an orphanage and you've some, you know, you keep going back to it because something about it sparks within you personally. And now that orphanage is starting to have troubles, you know, and you're going to go, you're going to make it a point to keep bringing the group back to take care of that orphanage. The storyteller is going to see that. Yes. They're either going to lean into it a little bit, or you're going to have to look at them and say, hey, this is something that's kind of cool for me. Yeah. You know, and now you have either a failure point that you can lean into or a bind point, which is great where you, where the story can grind against you a little Absolutely. bit. And that's always great. Those kind of obstacles are fantastic. Um. But it, it gives you that point of failure to work with yes. and to be able to to do things. Now, um, I know one of the things that you had to do a lot of in uh, um, in doing improv is voices. 
and we were kind of talking about some of the the things you can do when you're attempting to do a voice. Yes. Um, I think one of the things that always got me about voices, and it's not so much about the accent, and it's not so much about the 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 feeling, but the tone often comes from a, a little acting trick that was uh, which I remembered, which was before you, you always think about what happened thirty seconds before the scene. Yes. So they're saying, okay, uh, you're all at a bus stop. So the first thing I don't think about is what I'm doing actively. I think about the 30 seconds. Where was I where was half I? a block away? Right. Or where was I? Was I already on the, the bus bench? Exactly. So if you can try and come up with an idea of where you've been, even if it was just moments earlier, you know, were you eating? So you're brushing crumbs off of sure. yourself and licking your fingertips because the barbecue <laughs> was so good. That's a great little thing that helps you helps inform you of what your next motivations and feelings are going to or where your brain is going in the next 30 seconds. Yes. Like, yes, you're in a scene with the rest of the players, but maybe your mind's on that hoagie <laughs> that you left downstairs or you saw or the, cat the ate. <laughs> you know, that the that, you know, or that the the guard had as you passed, you know, through the, the security gates and knocked everybody out. You're like, man, he did have that hoagie. He's not going to eat that while he's unconscious, guys. And, like, meanwhile, they're trying to break in. And you're like, I'm right Can back Can I point the- out for the record that the Hufflepuff, for once, is not the one that brought up the food? I'm eating right now. <laughs> I'm eating right now. We have witnesses. There are listeners out there. <laughs> it is true. It is true. Um, but that can add a lot to the feeling of your character. Yes. And I know people have a hard time with accents. We've talked about, you know, drawing things out and making it easier in that sense. Well, the other thing we talked about is a lot of the time, especially um, in a high fantasy game, whether whether it's a, a Skyrim or a fantasy-based D&D, there's, there's this impulse to, to switch up your language completely. Mm-hmm. And that can really trip you up. There are people that can do it there. And there are people, especially if you come from an academic background, you're throwing in, you know, um, $6 words and things with 22 different syllables. But if that's not how you speak normally, you know, oh, my Lord, I seeth that you are if going if somewhere if. And it just, you start tripping over yourself. It's, it's the its the Shrek, you know, yes. no, you won't. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, and it's, it, you, you I, I think it can be funny. Yes, but, but if that's not what you're going for, if you're not doing, and if you're doing it for the humor, fantastic. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing it because you want, you want to convey something about a character, just, just be warned. It might go off brilliantly, but it might fall flat. Yeah. And and it's okay to fail. It's okay to go, oh, gosh, that was terrible. I'm not ever going to do that again. Yep, yep, yep. I'm just trying to catch up with the, the, with, with the feed. The feed is going great. I know. I'm, I'm loving tonight's conversations and, and, and everybody going back and forth. Um, but also there are some settings. Um, the one that comes to mind immediately is Shadowrun that literally in the back of the book is nomenclature of the space. Yes. Like, you don't say it's a 7-Eleven or a convenience store. It's the stuffer shack. It's stu- yes. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. you know, the stuff isn't terrible. It's Drek. Yes. You know? Yes. And, and that, that, that's absolute flavor text. That's wonderful. And that... you'll hear it and everybody can be involved. Yes. So then it's not just one person doing yes. it. You know, it's everyone throwing in a word or two there. Um, a lot of great shows will do this. Uh, uh, um, Frack? Frell? Yes, exactly. I mean, Firefly was a... oh, notorious. Yes for it um i actually uh talked with a guy uh or or chatted with a guy on reddit um whose group loved playing firefly in um uh a uh powered by the apocalypse uh engine instead because they didn't like the firefly sisters with the firefly yeah terrible we discussed this yeah it's it's not the greatest but um they would play it with that because and one of the prerequisites that the storyteller had was everyone needed to know either japanese or mandarin to play they had to know some and throw it if you wanted to swear you had to swear in in a full sentence okay in either chinese or mandarin and he said it was the funnest game that he had ever played because some of these people had like one year of japanese or one year of mandarin (laughs) or people were learning mandarin very quickly so that they could figure out how to swear in it because they didn't know informal yes but there was one kid in their group who grew up in a Japanese home. Like his, his parent, he he was adopted. Actually, he was American. Okay. He was adopted, okay. which is interesting. And 
he spoke Japanese fluently and just listening to the just... hor- not only the horrific but the terrible things people would <laughs> drop just because they wanted to get in on those moments and he's like this is hilarious and terrified if my mother was here we'd all have soap <laughs> yes. there would be soap around Twisted all around soap soap. Them but it added fun to the game yes. and everyone was effectively just playing themselves yes but that one aspect that was thrown in there was kind of pushed well and you, you talk about the the sort of terrible or the swearing which is you know it brings up that point of of um comfort levels and that's that's an important thing too because yes. as we mentioned this is a world without consequences mm-hmm. so you will have people that that show up and you realize that they might not be a very nice person and it's you know we we especially in this day and age i mean a, a tabletop table should be the ultimate safe space so there should be built in from players, from storytellers, a way to keep the players safe. Or And we've talked about um, the X card. Yes. I love the X card. X idea. cards are a great way to do that. I, I think that uh, knowing by expression or being able to simply say, I think that's too far Yes. Uh, to another player and, and or to the storyteller or using the X card if you feel that it's necessary. I think those are all huge pieces. Again, you know, don't. Don't take a dump on somebody yeah. else's well, one thing either. Well, we talk either. about going to extremes, and and sometimes sometimes people do some sort of horrific character just just to try and shake things up, and mm-hmm. and they cross a line for somebody at the table. Yep. And a lot of the times, it's not intentional. Yep. But it's but it's so important to have that built in that you can say, oh, we need we need to dial it back a little bit. Yeah. I mean, um, I can honestly say one of the characters that I've always wanted to try, but will probably never able to bring to a character, is an evangelical character. Someone oh, who's just oh, ridiculously yeah. fervent in some belief. It doesn't even have to be a religious belief. Yeah. I just want them to think everyone else is going to damnation unless they hug teddy bears. You know, something <laughs> like that. And it's a hard thing to bring up. It's, it, it pushes a lot yes. of buttons. And so I'm yes, like, I'm probably never going to be able to play this right. I, I was in a game with somebody who was a, cl- a dwarven cleric and he played it and he played it brilliantly. Mm-hmm. And, um, but there was a comfort level at the table. And that was something that a very experienced role player took mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I mean, maybe he could have done it right out the gate, having never rolled a character before, yep. but, but I just, I, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. You know, if you're just starting out, go ahead and start small. I mean, if you want, you can go as big as you want, obviously, but you mm-hmm. don't you don't have to. Definitely not. And I mean, the other thing I would say, and it definitely came up in our conversation, was the being a jerk and say in using the term, it's what my character would do. Oh, yes. There you, know, you go. And somehow that's okay. It's not. If someone has a problem with something work with it yes. and say okay that's too far take it back but if you're somebody who's going to use their character as a defensive way to do whatever you want yes you're not playing with a group at that yeah. point you're- i'm 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 gonna i'm gonna pull i'm gonna pull all the bunny's ears i'm gonna yank the bunny's ears because that's what my character would do right dude that's mean don't do that yeah. well no i i am i am compelled because yes. i have a terrible character to yeah. show you i have a terrible character and every time we come across a bunny i'm going to pull its ears yeah no, no it's you're just being a jerk yes that's, that's, we've you're not a heroic person. You're yeah. just a jerk. You're just a jerk. And and that's the tragedy of those things, but they definitely have to be worked through. It's yes. a, it does happen. It definitely does happen. A very, very, very small percentage, though, yeah. I would and say. And the other piece is watch for table and house rules. I yeah. know in our house, um, whether it's role-playing or whether it's uh, we're playing Cards Against Humanity or anything like that, we have our own trigger rules that we have and our group is very aware that you know when those games come out a lot of them will literally just pull a section out of their box and set it to the side and we do that with our characters as well and our stories and if we go to dip into something that's that could be triggery we're being considerate of saying hey this is where the story might go yeah is everybody okay with that and it, and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what it is that makes you uncomfortable no. it doesn't and and you, you don't owe that explanation to anybody but but if it's making you uncomfortable and and the room isn't picking up on it do say something exactly. you know um, exactly. a, a lot of the time and that's the other thing people get so caught up in it and that's half the fun of role playing oh my gosh we're just running roughshod over all of this and it's wonderful and you can you can lose track of your other players yeah and, and Knox brings up or or harass the women at the table like, I have a problem with that as a whole. Um, yes. Because that's just a terrible thing to do as a person regardless. I think if you've got people <laughs> who are harassing other players of the game, I don't care what who they are, yeah. that person doesn't fit at that table. Yeah. 
that that's not comfortable. Yeah. Um, I may be a male tiefling, but at the table, I'm I'm a human, and mm-hmm. I have human feelings, mm-hmm. and I have human considerations, and there there is a line. There is definitely a line there, and yeah. you know, it's just because on paper. You know, I'm, I'm I'm the dwarf that throws axes. Mm-hmm. Does not mean real life me. <laughs> yeah, and and I I think there are some social things that games attempt that that definitely are stigma related. You know, the the amorous bard who is oh, always sure. hitting on everyone. You know, or the aristocrat who considers uh, anyone who's not his race to be beneath, beneath him. him. Yes, you know, I think there are definitely ways to play those characters. Sure. But that isn't your one thing. No. That can never be a one thing at a, at a comfortable, respectable table. Because that's back to Mary Sue territory of mm-hmm. that's all that person is. Yeah. That's everything about their character in one line, and it's never going to go beyond that. And that's just boring. It's boring to play. It's boring to storytell around. It's Yeah. I mean, in in Overwatch Brings Point, unless it's a special kind of get-together, you know, that that's a different thing. Sure. You know, if if you if you are creating a game that is meant to grind in a certain direction, and everyone is agreed that that's the direction it's going to go, and it's it's that comfort level, yes, then yes, that's okay. But it takes time to get your group to that point, and I would never step into a group with those kind of feelings. Oh no! So it's, it's well, always should be inclusive. You know, you've you've got you've got the cabbage seller and uh and airbender yeah you know who's it's it's funny that his stuff keeps getting destroyed because it's played funny correct but but in real life we'd feel badly for him we'll we'll go pay you for your cabbages and you never know when something is going to change the way you feel about it and you have the right at any time to basically be like i'm no longer comfortable with this yes absolutely that is perfectly okay i there are all numbers of reasons of why you could be uncomfortable with any with number anything. of things in a game. And it is perfectly okay to step up to your group and be like, I am no longer comfortable sure. with this. And have and you should be supportive of those people sure. and say, Okay. Well and the the X card for I uh, do you, all your readers have you talked to your We've definitely talked okay. about it on, on right. the show. Because we, we always bring it back up. The X okay. card is a great nope, way to No, I just wanted to, to make that. sure everybody had the base for that. No, no. So. Everybody yeah, be, whenever there's a problem whether if you haven't heard our previous shows, the X card was a concept that was brought up um I believe through Powered by the Apocalypse and it was the idea that if something gets said or an action or within a scene that is uncomfortable this card can be laid down or a mark can be put down so that uh, without question that basically says that is this is uncomfortable at that point everyone pauses and steps away you know whether you know effectively in yeah. game yeah. you know and the scene moves on in a totally different direction maybe maybe you just move to the next scene the idea being that there is no need to question why that person is uncomfortable they don't have to defend themselves. There is nothing that needs to be said further on that. They can literally just step away from it and move on and everybody can continue enjoying them. because then everyone gets back to the enjoyment. It is not the enjoyment of one. It is back to the enjoyment of all. Yep. So that's that's what that X card really represents. Yep. If, if you're not familiar with it, I highly recommend adding it to any game that you're playing. This includes tabletop games. So. <laughs> Now, we have some questions, and we are down to seven minutes, so I would like to get those. What, you want to hit one of these? Uh, uh, are you struggling on trying to pull them up? Yes. That is fine. I will hit a question. Technology then. is failing the Luddite. That is perfectly all right. I'll start with Nox's. So what, what piece of advice would you wish someone would have told you in the beginning of your tabletop experience, and is there anyone, anyone that you wish they hadn't? Oh, um... It's, it's such a good question. I'd actually thought about this yeah, okay. um, a little bit. And uh, I'm, I wish that, that people had told me that it was okay to take those risks, that it was okay to be a completely different character. You know, when I was first drawing it up, it's like, it's you. But just, you know, picture yourself in a fantasy costume. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but what if I don't want to be me? Mm-hmm. They're like, no, no, no. This is, this is how the game works. Well, maybe that's how some games work, but... Mm-hmm. But, um, and it's, again, this is, this is decades, decades, decades ago, and things have gotten so much, so much better. Um, and, and again, like, like we were talking about, I, I really wish that starting out, somebody had said, your character is not your stats, but your stats can inform your character. Let them work together. I think that's a a, a great point. Um, I would have loved to have heard that when I was earlier, that, that, just because you have bad stats doesn't mean you have a bad character. Because when I first started playing, it was all about numbers and, yeah, and, and being absolutely. the best you could possibly be instead of letting your 
your failed stats help make a better story. Yes. Um, I think one of the, the worst things that I had learned, and I, I kind of wish it didn't happen that way as early as it did, was the concept of min-maxing. Oh, I think that yes. was I think that actually pushed me further away from role playing initially and storytelling as a whole. Um so I, I don't like the idea of min maxing as a whole now so much. I'd rather have a story and just a character that I'm interested in and that other people are interested in. Yep. You know, there's a place for it. I think there's definitely an edge for it, and I do not discount anybody who does it. But I, I kind of lean into the flaws a little bit more yeah so <laughs> as sarah pointed out even even a good story even a good story starts with a failure mm-hmm. a dragon has stolen the princess oh we have multiple failures points of failure there yeah, yeah. if everything was going right the dragon would not have stolen the princess yes. so so failure is so important um overwatch you'd asked role-playing can be completely alien to someone with zero exposure to it beforehand what is one facet of tabletop role-playing that is hard for brand new people to get What's the best way to help them get it? Um, and I think, I think again, that comes to rolling. You know, when do I roll? How do I roll? Well, that's sort of informed again by the story. You get to, you get to, you know, okay, we're we're on our way to the castle. Well, once you get to the castle, start start thinking ahead a little bit. What's going to happen there? What am I meant to do there? Well, if I'm supposed to jump over the wall, well, and you can ask, absolutely ask your group, what kind of skills do I need to try and jump over the wall? Then you're going to pull those dice out and make that roll. Some of it, I think, also comes with, I I think in your direction as well, is what is your approach? Yes. That approach comes to both the, the tactical aspects of physically doing something as your character in there, as well as how you're going to approach a scene. Yes. And and what your approach to someone is. I think one of the best things that um that can be alien is stepping away from doing the my character is doing this to I'm I as my character. I as my character. You know, it's the it's the uh there's a locked chest before you. Um okay, um I'll ask our uh, Zarya to uh, help me unlock the chest cuz she's a rogue. To instead say, um, Zarya, this seems to be causing me to be all thumbs. Do you think you could work your clicky clicky magic here? And now you're the character. Yes. You, you just stepped into your character and that's different. And now that person's going to respond differently to you. Yes. And you've changed the approach there. So I think that's one of the things is, and so one of the best ways to get into role playing is to stop saying what your character is going to do and just, and just do or narrate it. Narrate it as best you can in a first person method. Yes. That helps um, you inhabit the character much, much better. Yeah, I would definitely agree on that one. Um, we also have one here from the Mad Elf. Uh, Under what circumstances would you want to provide some role playing coaching to players? Ooh. That is interesting. And I, I was thinking about this when I, when I first, we first got the question. I was just like, Okay, so what circumstances could come about that they might need coaching? Or what circumstances would I want to provide coaching to a player? <laughs> and like, I, I thought about that. I was like, so are you asking if I want to run something at the library on how to role play? Or are you asking, I have players at my table that have clear role playing problems and maybe there needs to be a coaching session there. So it's it's interesting. I would say coaching would probably come in when the gameplay gets troublesome. When when the mechanics of the game are going fine, but players are clearly not enjoying themselves and are binding against each other. Yes. You know, with what they're doing with their characters. You know, your character is a lone wolf who's always a lone wolf. And anytime, you know, you guys get into a combat scene or, you know, or a decision starts to get making, this character literally walks, walks away. away. You know, I would say that. Um, so, yeah, I would I would probably lean to when there's a problem. Unfortunately, that's our time for today. Our next week's topic is System Spotlight for the Traveler game. You can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave, on Instagram at st underscore conclave, on Mixlr at uh, on Wednesday nights at seven p.m., which you might be listening right now at mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave, or on Discord. You can find a link on our Twitter or on our website at storytellerconclave.com. 
We'd also like to thank our Patreon members, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, and Hulavu. We really appreciate everything you do and how much you support us in this. Our pre-show music, if you got a chance to listen to it, is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Gee Frog. Uh, apparently our links are not great, but I believe you can still find them on the web. Uh, I, whether or not, we'll, we'll add some new links there for that. And our outro music uh, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Bitter Machine. Um, I still think you can find that at freemusicarchive.org. We'd like to thank our families. Vicky, Sean, Sarah, I know you're out there for supporting <laughs> us. I'd personally like to thank Catherine for uh, joining me on this co-hosting and all of our friends who've played games with us over the years and to you, our thank listeners. Thank you so much for letting me in on this. You're and very Sarah, welcome. Sarah, get better. We love you. All right. Good night, everybody. <laughs>